All right, here we are. Pop culturing. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Uh, welcome back. What's our tagline? Our tagline is a Gen X perspective on TV and movies or pop culturing meets self-awareness. So we have two taglines. We do because, you know, depending on who you are, Twice. One, one might appeal to you versus the other one doesn't. Twice is nice. Twice is nice. Um, but there are some non-Gen Xers that are joining us today. Who are these yes. two Gen Xers? We have two of our children. We have 16-year-old Cameron. Yes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And we have 14-year-old Skylar. Hello. And they needed to be with us today because they watched this awesome Netflix series with us, and they have many, many opinions about it. Um, what is the series we're referring to? This series is called, go ahead, Sky. Midnight Mass. And Cameron, it is directed by? Mike Flanagan. Yes. And Skylar, what is another one of the series that he's done? The Haunting of Bly Manor. And Cameron, what's the other one? The Haunting on the Hill House. Or of, of, Hill the, of the Hill House. I always get it that is out. on. It's, it, kind I guess. Of a, it's kind of a wordy title, if I'm being honest. The Haunting of Hill House. The Haunting of the Hill House. Now, is the street hill or is the house? The house, house is it's hill. hill House because, like, that's what that's who that, lived there. Yeah, that's the hills. Oh, the hills live there. Okay, yeah. thank you. So, we were as a family big fans of Hill House and Bly Manor, huge fans. Um, and we have just become huge Mike Flanagan fans. Mike Flanagan also. Uh, directed a movie called Oculus in 2013. He directed a movie called um, uh, Gerald's Game in 2017. He directed a movie called Hush in 2016. Thank you, Sky. And he also directed Doctor or yeah Doctor Sleep, which is the follow up to The Shining. Um, Stephen King's book Doctor Sleep. He directed that movie. So Mike Flanagan is kind of. We're, we really are big fans of the way he handles horror. Yes, it's um, it's been such a wonderful surprise. I never heard. I mean, I I know we did Haunting on Hill House and Blythe Manor. Blythe Manor. Blythe Danner. You call it. Blythe you Danner. call it Blythe Danner, but it's Bly Manor. Yeah, Blythe Manor. Um, <laughs> and You're mixing up your own mix mess. Up. <laughs> I know. It's not the first time or the last time. Uh, but yes, I agree. I'm a huge fan of this guy, and I want to go watch Hutch and yeah. uh, Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Um, so, sweetie, you wanted to set some framework around uh, horror f- genre or well, no? Well, not really. So the one thing I will share, you guys, is we actually did this podcast a couple days ago, um, and it was Todd and I and Skylar, and it was really good. It was but outstanding. My daughter Cameron over here, who was at work while we did it, she texted me the next day and was like, when are we going to talk about Midnight Mass? And I was like, Cam, we already did it. And she was like, that's... Ridiculous. How did you feel when you got that text? I was really disappointed. I was so... Because the thing about it is we finished it and I had to run out to go do something. And then I ended up meeting them again when we were meeting with our family, but we were like kind of at the house. We couldn't like talk about it fully in depth. And then like that night, literally I left in the middle of that thing we were at to go do something. So I didn't get to talk about it with them like at all. And who's them? You didn't get to talk about... Oh, with us. You. I'm talking about you. I'm talking directly to your listeners. Oh, (laughs) You're like pretending we're not here. (laughs) Yeah. You keep saying I had to go do this thing and then I had to be with them. I'm like, who's them? Who's them? (laughs) Like them. You'll never know. Um, And I was... so sad because I was so excited, so excited to talk to them about it because it's such, that's like one of my favorite things to do once I watch a TV show. 
And I was like, it's going to be awesome on the podcast because we'll really, like, get specific questions, get to dig into it. And then they posted on Instagram that, like, the we Midnight posted. Mass was coming. Yeah. You can talk to they, me directly. Sorry, you guys posted on Instagram at the Midnight Mass podcast was coming. I was like, oh, yeah, we have to do that. And I got worried. I was like, what if they already did it? And then I texted you and my worries had come true. The worries had become a reality. Yeah. And I was, story. I was very, I was upset. Like, I wasn't mad, but I, w- I made it very clear. Did you just say you were upset, but you weren't mad? No, yeah, that's exactly. Like, what does I wasn't, that mean? I wasn't like, didn't come home and like start blaming, 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 but I made it clear. I was like, I wanted to do that. You know what? And, and Skylar and I discussed that and Skylar was not feeling good about that. And then Todd and I discussed it and we, we weren't feeling good about it. We said, we just have to do another one. And if this show, Midnight Mass, takes off and becomes, which I think it should, becomes kind of like a phenomenon, then we will drop the other podcast as kind of a little special treat later on. That's right. But for now, this is the podcast about Midnight Mass, and it's the four of us discussing it. I'm going to play a song from the how the series opens. Okay, let's hear it. Skylar, what happens at the opening of the series? What do we see? The very opening. Yeah. Doesn't match the song, but uh, Riley, the main character, was in a car crash because he was drunk and he ended up killing a girl. Mm. It's one of the hardest openings to a movie, TV show I've ever... It was awful. And it's so interesting to have that Neil Diamond song playing when you're watching something so horrific. Yeah. It's talk about a juxtaposition or paradox or whatever you want to say, like two things at once. Mm-hmm. And the opening scene is actually that the camera is on the Jesus fish that's on Riley's car. And what's the symbolism? So right away, you know that this is a religious person. Mm-hmm. So um, Riley, who is, we we call him Saracen because he's in Friday Night Lights. Yes. Evanston boy, by oh, the way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Saracen's oh, I didn't know Evanston. That. Mm-hmm. And his name's Riley in the show, and he, you, you know, the whole thing opens on him. And he actually, did you guys? Um, so, Cameron and Skyler and I rewatched episode one and two last night while you were gone, Tad. And did you guys realize that he started doing the Lord's Prayer? I did. Yeah, I told you that. And then I think that's obviously this event is the thing that changed him into he eventually becomes an atheist mm-hmm. uh, through going to prison for killing the girl and. Like, I think the moment that he, like, started changing was the uh, policeman said to him when he walked up and Riley started doing the prayer. And he's like, uh, while you're praying, can you ask him why the uh, drunk people always walk walk away with, like, scratches and then innocent people are killed? Like, killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great question, right? So first question that I honestly don't know the answer to, but I think I got it. Before that accident... Riley was a dutiful Catholic boy. Um, I think so. I believe I believe he at least like practiced in his own way, but like he didn't stay perfect. Obviously, like he moved away from Crockett. But he but he wasn't an atheist growing up. He no was, no, no he was an altar boy. Okay. Yeah, I think he was. If not even who knows if he was practicing. Basically, what he did is where this show takes place is on this place called Crockett Island, which is somewhere in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And um, he left Crockett Island. He became um, a bigwig in the tech industry or some kind of financial industry. And even his car, I think it's like a Mercedes or something like that. It's a really nice car. He 
you know, he makes a living and he still has a Jesus fish on his car. So he still considers himself, you know, Christian mm-hmm. in some way. But to Cameron's point, he actually, he ends up in prison for four years. That's how it opens. And one of the speeches he gives, I think in episode two is about how he searched. He said, he said, it's interesting because most people get into prison and find Jesus. And he's like, and I lost him. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he searched for God. He read every book you can think of to find God. And he left feeling as if he was an atheist. Mm-hmm. So book one, Genesis, that's yeah. episode one. Riley Flynn returns home to family dysfunction, familiar faces, and a new priest at St. Patrick's. Elsewhere on the island, a dark storm is brewing. Anything pop out to any of the three of you regarding episode one that is noteworthy? Um, we meet uh, our priest, Father Paul, mm-hmm. who immediately, what did he strike you as first? He looked first like Ross Geller from Friends. Well, yeah. Uh, about his character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he was described as a little mysterious. It was just a little weird because they always had the same priest, mm-hmm. um, Father Pruitt, and everyone was really surprised that he was there. And kind of uncomfortable, don't you think? Uncomfortable, for sure. I thought he was so odd. Like, that's the only word I can think of him for. And I don't know if that was a choice from the actor, if that just, like, if that was part of the character already. Like, it's just, it felt a little uneasy, and it felt, it already felt like things were changing so much. I mean, that's the only really way I can describe it. He was was so odd. Yeah, and he's awkward, Oh, so awkward. And he yeah. probably doesn't know how to be who he is, you know? Yeah. Be, well, mm-hmm. I, I can't, we'll get we're, not, we're not going to get so into that So we yet. haven't talked yet about, we are giving away all spoilers on this episode. Okay, so we are going to talk about Midnight Mass as if you have all seen it. Like, yeah. we'll ease in here, but if you have not seen this, my big recommendation to you is go watch it first. Yeah, yeah. and then come back. Don't be one of those people, like some people I know, who read <laughs> the endings of books. Who are you talking about? I'm talking about mom. I do read you the do endings. The re-endings. She doesn't look at the TV screen when we're watching the scary parts. No, or she does. She kind of does. She holds up her hand like with her fingers all like out, and she's like, "Don't watch it, everyone." And then she looks. She, at her hand. she says, "I wouldn't look if I were you." <laughs> and then she looks, and we're all like, "Fine." She's the only one worried. When I am holding my hand in front of the screen, it's blocking the energy of the images. Okay. Yes, it's okay. very. Uh, it's very makes sense. That's all I have to say. It very makes sense. It very makes sense to me, and that's all that matters. The other thing that I would say about episode one is you are introduced to Riley's family, and one family member that I fell in love with, and I think we all did, like was, instantly, was his mom. Yeah, and her name is Annie. And she is such a mom. Like, in the very first scene, like, the way she talks, the way she... And and I mean this with high praise. Like, Mm -hmm. I totally got her. And she is excited because we see this experience with Riley. We know he goes to prison. And the movie really starts, or excuse me, the series starts with him coming home. Mm -hmm. So he's coming home to Crockett Island. And what you find out about this island is that there's only 127 people living there. I thought there was more than that. Is it? It's got to be more than 100. It's 127. That's where they saw the population was. And they said that Crockett Island is not doing well. People keep leaving. The fishing isn't as good anymore like Crockett Island It was is. after an oil spill yeah. or mm-hmm. something. And the oil spill was three years ago. So Riley was in prison when all this happened. And we find out that that really caused the this small fishing community to take a hit. Um, and you can kind of tell. Like the everyone is – it's just a little rough, you know. It's a little rough. But it also – you get the picture that – 
most people have lived their whole lives on this island. And so the fact that Riley wanted to leave and is now home, and you're also introduced to another character named Aaron who had left and is now home. So there's a lot of like, where do we belong stuff going so on. So I don't want you guys to think I'm skipping over, you know, a lot of stuff, but there's the, the second half of the series is really intense. So I'm going to, you know, pass through the first episode because okay. there's really not much more to speak about. Yeah. It's really just a nice little introduction. And I wanted to say like last night, girls, when we were rewatching it, wasn't it just nice to see everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was nice to see. It's always nice to see the first episode of a TV show you finish because you realize how much they really give away. You just right. didn't know what to do with it. Like the thing about TV shows like this is that they give you so, so much information that you have zero idea what it means that you only a few things you're like, oh, wait, that makes sense now. But now like everything is together and you realize like the story is more cohesive than you initially thought. Totally. And can I say one thing that I thought was really interesting? Because mm-hmm. I think your dad will like this. So we have since all four of us, everybody, we have all um, watched a lot of like spoiler Easter egg stuffs about about the show because we really liked it. <laughs> one of the ones I watched today is that this person believes that when um, Father Paul is pulling a trunk into his, mm-hmm. you know, home, which mm-hmm. all of us see at the very beginning in the first episode. And if you guys remember, he uh, Riley, when he comes home, he has a poster on the wall of Seven, the movie Seven. Oh yeah, wait, wait, do you do you have something? Yes, oh, sorry, that's what this is about. So this, so there's some obvious references there that this Seven is about the seven deadly sins, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's some biblical references there that fit nicely with Midnight Mass. But people also think it is about the trunk and uh, what's in the box. Right? Oh, that's interesting. I think that's a stretch. Do you think that's a oh, stretch? Oh, you mean from like the movie when Gwyneth Paltrow's head and everything? You just gave it away. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's, it's Seven's been out, been out for a, a while. Long time. Yeah, so. I don't know about this. What's in the out box? Of the what's in the box? Um, okay, book two. Okay, book Psalms. Two. The yes. one sentence summary. An unsettling omen washes ashore in the wake of the storm. Later, when the locals gather for a potluck, tragedy strikes and a miracle occurs. Let's call this the an- animal episode. Does the miracle yeah. is the miracle Lisa walking? Lisa, yeah, yeah. Lisa. that happens in two. The very yeah. end. Oh my gosh! Remember, wow. we were like, oh, "Oh my god!" I think we kept watching. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. did. We had so, to. Skylar, can you say the animal issues in in the second episode? The two things. First animal issue. Many dead cats washed Many. up upon the shore with no blood. Which All is drained. Suspicious. 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 Second animal issue um, is that Joe, who is known as the town drunk, dog died at the Crockpot pot Festival. Sweet, sweet Pike. So Pike is this dog's name. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's we've watched it twice, mm. and you have not. Um and the poor dog dies. And the thing that I was going to say about the, I listened to an interview with Mike Flanagan, and he was saying that, you know, he does all these horror movies where people are like emotionally and physically ripped apart. And that's what horror is. But then every time he has something about an animal, that's where people get furious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is they don't want to see, and, and we felt the same way, right, guys? Yeah. Like yeah. we were watching all yeah. this. There have been like, like horrible deaths. Because you knew, like as soon as died. they started focusing on the dog and we knew that was it. Right. We knew that yeah. this was going to be sad and bad. Um, so those were the two animal issues. And then there was um, the miracle at the end, which there is a girl did, did, did one of you want to explain? Go ahead, I Lisa. Can. 
There's a girl named Lisa who was paralyzed because of Joe who shot her. Pike's dad. On an accident. Mm-hmm. But um, she, Father Paul, ends up telling her to stand up like he's trying to get her to walk and stand. And she ends up walking. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's pretty much it. And it, 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 the last scene... Mm-hmm. of that episode is like Lisa's face after she has just walked upstairs. And, and the, she says, amen. Amen. And it's so... So this is the thing about the first and the second one. Not There's been a few little scary things, but there hasn't been a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of appreciating that maybe good things are happening right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, like, everything's going to go great on Crockett Island. I didn't know which way things were going to go. We so. haven't talked about this character yet. That poor dog, if it ingested some accidentally, oh. well, I'll just be a wreck. Bev's just going to be a wreck. Freaking Bev. Bev, we got to talk about Bev a little bit. Bev is basically, what's the best word for her? I was going to say Bev. Bible thumper, but I feel like it's more than that. Uh, narcissist? Narcissist Bible thumper. Um, she is the real villain in our story, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, she is a pretty horrible person, and she killed the dog, and she likes to believe that she is superior to other humans because she goes to church more. Well, and, yeah. And you guys, because you rewatched it, you noticed that you actually see Bev poisoning the dog. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. We what do you see? Is it in the background? Like, what? What? Do, no. What did I miss in the first go round? What do you see? She so gives quick. him food. She gives him a hot dog. Oh. And Bev seems to have this whole closet. She's one of the teachers. Full of rat poison. Mm-hmm. Which comes back. It comes back mm-hmm. around. Um, and so we know, and she's gotten mad at Joe's dog because she thinks it's snapping at her. So she's a little like uh, the uh, Mrs. Gulch in The Wizard of Oz. Um, exactly. I'm going to introduce a new topic called Picky Knits that we stole from the Rewatchables. Okay. First one is, how did uh, the priest get the goblin, a.k.a. the fallen angel, a.k.a. vampire, a.k.a. Dracula, but we're not into the box? Yet. We're not there yet. We're in number three. Well, we are because we saw him bring him in the box. Oh, in the box, oh, but yeah. we don't know what's in the box. Yeah, I just yet. wonder, like, did they have a conversation? Okay, I'm going to check you through the baggage claim. Like, <laughs> how did that work? No, I think he said he bribed them somehow. Yeah. So maybe he found some way to say, I'll bring you to more blood mm. if you come with me. Exactly. Okay, so because you asked this question, let's have this discussion. Let's let's talk about what is in that um, box. Okay, it's What's not a box; it's a and trunk, we have trunk. some disagreements on what is truly in the box. We do, and this all happens in in episode three, which is called uh, episode three is called Proverbs. So Proverbs is um, where this question is answered of who is this priest. And um, so, Cameron, explain who this priest is. This priest is Father Pruitt, who is the priest that's been at Crockett Island for the past however many years. But he uh, he was on a mission somewhere. What? Where was he? He was doing a walk in Damascus. He, he was a walk in Damascus, and he got and he had dementia, so he was kind of hobbling away, lost from the group. And he found shelter in this cave type thing, and he found this creature who he thinks is an angel and basically the creature sucks a bunch of blood out of him and then gives him blood and then father pruitt arises as a younger version of himself which we get introduced as to father paul so really this whole time you've been thinking that the old priest is on the mainland but really the the young priest is the old priest yeah 
And so here's the introduction, you guys, to this this thing that he meets in the cave. So, Skyler, what do you think this thing is? I definitely at first thought it was a fallen angel. Okay. Now that we finished, they were just trying to hide that it was a vampire. I disagree. And Cameron, what do you think? I think it is a fallen angel, and it has the habits of a vampire. But I think vampires are named after this specific fallen angel. Like, I think it goes from fallen angel to vampire, not vampire, into whatever it thinks. So you think this is a fallen angel who just has an iron deficiency and needs to suck blood? Pretty much. And I just think... Yeah, I think vampires, let's say, let's talk about Twilight Vampires for a second. The Cullens. They have that gene that the fallen angel maybe down the line somehow passed on to them. They don't have a gene. They got bit. I know. By people who got bit by who got bit, who got bit, who got bit by the fallen angel. That's what I think. Okay. Bit by bit. Uh, I think that guy is a guy who has a sweet trench coat in episode four. And he wears that sweet hat. He has a sweet trench. And then he does something very scary in that scene in the gymnasium, which we're not going to get to yet. We're not there yet. So I think? think that from that scene, we all watched that together where you finally find out that Father Pruitt was bit by this thing in a cave. And I said immediately, that's a vampire. Because here's the thing. Father Pruitt looked at it, and he was so terrified that he had to make it into something positive. And this is where I think this whole thing in his head, he came up with this plan. Yes, the positive was he had become a young man, and so maybe that in itself is like enough enough for him. But he also was so afraid that he had to switch it up. Like, do you know what I mean? Do you guys remember when it looked like he had a halo around his head, the vampire? Like yeah. an angel yeah, to they- a fallen angel. Um, so the one thing I want to mention that it's important to note, and I don't know if any of the four of us realize this, but when he got bit in that cave at Damascus, he did not get killed. Correct. No, no. he did not. Didn't you guys think upon watching it as that a series that he was killed? Yes, I did. Yes. But he just, uh, they took a chunk out of his neck and he was fine. Yep. And then he gave him blood and gave him this young life. Yeah. So Why he spared him, I have no idea. So let's think this through. I thought you had to get killed and that brought back to really get the good stuff. No, you had to get blood fed by the angel. So it doesn't matter if you're alive or dead. As yeah. long as you get the blood fed, fi- blood fed to you by the angel, the vampire guy, then special things happen. Usually mm-hmm. the people, if you guys remember, the, the cats and the people that this angel kills, he breaks their neck first or in the process of biting their neck, mm-hmm. he breaks their neck. He didn't do that with Father Paul or we should say Pruitt. Yeah. He just sucked some of his blood, gave him some of his blood, and maybe it was kind of like this This vampire's like, hey, uh, take me with you. Um, I want to get out of here. Hey. There's something that big hey, you that got ha- a trunk. <laughs> um, there's something big that happens in uh, part three, Proverbs, um, and that's when Lisa goes and talks to Joe. Ooh. Yeah, I know you like that scene. It's a good scene. It's and we can't play it all, but it's just a crazy important scene, uh, and I'm going to play just a clip of it right here. You, but it's different. Even now, just saying it, it's different. Do you want to know why it's different? Because the only thing standing between you and a better life is you. The only thing standing in my way was hate. The only thing standing in your way is you. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. That's Proverbs 16.32. Joe, do you know what Proverbs means? 
It's a lot of uh, Bible verses in this uh, series. So many, mostly by Bev. And don't forget that Lisa goes to Mass every day, or she did when she was in the wheelchair at noon. She was the only one. So, Which which explains the... The amount, the amount, the degree, the quickness, blah blah blah. <laughs> Cute Annie, remember when she's like, she's like swaying, swaying along to the hymns. So I'm gonna kind of so like sweet. move ahead a little bit, yep, Todd, because we got a lot of questions yes, here we that do. we have to go through. So basically, after we find this out about Father Pruitt that he's actually Father Paul, we get to which is a big revelation. Mm-hmm. Then we realize that he has been putting the angel's blood in the communion blood, mm-hmm. which means that everybody on Crockett Island has been healing. Their cells have been Everyone turning who over. Everyone went to church. Everyone mm-hmm. who's been drinking the communion mm-hmm. blood. Because there are some people, people like Riley, our you know our main character. Or our, our real hero. Our hero. Our hero. The we sheriff. have heroes. Oh, the sheriff. The, yeah. sheriff. the sheriff is Muslim, so he doesn't go to church, obviously. Or that church, sorry. Right. Uh, he goes to mosque on he Fridays. He goes to mosque on Fridays, and he doesn't drink uh, the blood, and neither does his son at, in the beginning, at least. In the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then Riley doesn't take communion because he believes himself to be an atheist, and he decides to not. And his dad actually says, if you aren't into this, don't take communion. So everybody who's been going to church, not that many people have been taking this communion blood. And they are seeing changes in their body, and they are also getting younger, just like Father Pruitt. Yeah. But they consider it all to be miracles and good. Yes. Everyone and becomes young and hot again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah. But then more people come to church because there are so many miracles happening. Uh-huh. Yeah, things are good. Everyone so wants to be things. young and hot. And then we yeah. get a happy montage. The happy Everything's montage. Everything's so going. So but fun. you know what part I love about that episode is when it's super happy the entire episode, you can just see people like more and more people coming to church. Everyone's getting better. Everyone's getting looking younger, whether it's their eyesight or just their mood or their backs getting better. Like it's so, so many people's lives are just like improving. And then we get to the sheriff and his son, and they, like, have a talk. And the son told his dad he wants to start going to church uh, on the island. And his dad kind of gives a speech about how, like, none of these miracles are due to this fact. And, you like, God just doesn't hand out miracles like you think he does. And even though that's really important... The best part of, the, of that scene is when, like, it's super chill the entire episode, and then they got us with the jump scare, which oh, is, yeah. I thought was really good. At the do window. Was that? that at the end of the, at the window? It wasn't at the window. Do you remember? The glowing eyes. Do you remember they got us? Yeah. But, but who, a... whose house? Uh, it was the sheriff's house. Remember? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, there were a few really good jump scares in this, and so, that was one of them. A few things that we could spend a whole show talking about, but we're not going to, is there's a great school board meeting where the sheriff is able to not only explain Islam and what it means to be a Muslim, Mm -hmm. but he's able to share why we should not be giving out Bibles in public school. It's a great scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could, I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, because the thing about it is I learned more about Islam in that, like, whatever, two-minute period than I have in my entire life. I agree. Which is interesting to me. Yeah, and that's, and we should know, we, it's almost like a parenting failure there because we do talk about you know, different religions and having respect for everyone's religion, but we haven't gotten into enough details with our girls, Todd. Parenting fail. That's right. Like, like something he says in there that I thought was so, I literally haven't stopped thinking about it, is the fact that in Islam, they celebrate Jesus and they really love him and right? he's one of the prophets. They just don't believe he's like the son of God, correct? Right. Correct. And that, and then he goes on this thing, which I completely agree about, is that he believes the Bible has been 
you know, or Islam believes uh, that the Bible has been like, tainted by, tainted man. by mm-hmm. man and priests and it's been like changed. So they believe the Quran is like the final mm-hmm. book is what I'm going to say. I yeah. really don't know a lot of terminology, which I thought was so interesting. And I might have not learned that for a very long time had it not been for that scene. It opened up a really great conversation in our house about religions and just about religion overall. So that in itself, like if your kids are teens and they're old enough to watch this, because this is not for kids, by the way. No, it's not. Um, so that's a, for me. <laughs> but you, but you as you know, you being Skylar and you being fourteen, did you feel like you did? People my age wouldn't like it. Do you think they'd be scared or that it's too? They wouldn't get it. Okay. They wouldn't get how important it is. You got it. They'll just like the gore. I know. Well, I'm extremely exceptional. <laughs> Truth. Truth there. Truth. Yeah. Um, I want to play a quick clip from the scene between, what's her name, Erin and Riley? So this was Ooh, the next scene. Oh, yeah. We got it. This discussion about death yes. and what what they have this discussion about, what do you think happens when and we And this die? is after Erin has a miscarriage. She's pregnant, by the way. That that's due to the blood. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Long monologues. We're not going to play it all, no. but this is a clip of Riley, and then I'll play a clip from Aaron. Maybe my brain releases a flood of DMT. It's a psychedelic drug released when we dream, so I dream. I dream bigger than I have ever dreamed before because it's all of it. Just the last dump of DMT all at once, and my neurons are firing and I'm seeing this firework display of memories and imagination and I am just tripping. That's Riley. Mm-hmm. So Riley as um, Riley describes what the science believes. Forget about faith or spirituality. This is what scientists or doctors believe happens when death happens. And then Aaron. And then Aaron or good old Aaron over here no mansions, no rivers of diamonds or fluffy clouds or angel wings. You are loved. And you aren't alone. That is God. Good enough? Yeah. And so there's just, you know, in all of the episodes, there's beautiful monologues. But once we get into four and five, they're pretty significant. I would say, so girls, I'm going to ask you this question because we're going to kind of, we're going to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Which episode, or tell me your top three episodes, Cameron. Uh, The one with Riley in the boat. So that's five. Episode Uh, five. Six and seven. Six. Oh, so in order. Yeah. Skylar, what are your top three? Episode six, it was insane. Then episode five, then the last one. Say what you were saying about what your experience was with episode six. Um, episode six, so there was like chaos and crazy things happening, and I just felt like I was in. I don't yeah, want to say this, we but were, like, I was we in were the screaming at the TV. I know it was intense, and I it was a crazy experience I've never had before. Yeah, like I think we kept. I kept thinking it's like Skylar's first time having like such a surreal experience with a show. Yeah, and what I like felt like is because I've been very invested in shows, but that one was the first time I was like. That's me like, every day. I know, and it's <laughs> it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And Todd, how about you? Five is by far the best. Yeah. Six is second best, and seventh is the third best. I think I would go five was my favorite, three, because I didn't know 
about the vampire and then six. And I loved seven, don't get me wrong, but it was like, felt a little more like one or two. Right. Just a tough show to wrap up. You know what I'd say is that I absolutely love that. I thought it was a great ending, but I thought five was an exceptional, exceptional ending to the episode, but the episode as a whole, I wasn't like totally in love I agree. So I'd say six just because that entire episode, I felt like I was in that church. Uh, And then seven, because of the whole wrap up in the ending, it's so emotionally. And also like, it's very intense as well. It's almost as tense as a six. And then I'd say five. Did we all just agree five was our favorite? Yeah. No, no, no. no. I said six. I said six. Six. Oh, six. And you're six? Yeah. So this is Father Paul just talking about building the army. Oh, boy. And this is how some people weaponize religion. Otherwise, mm-hmm. horrible is good because of where it's headed. Welcome to God's army. Yeah, we're going to do great things. And then he walks off. <laughs> he basically just, in that big speech, because it's a, it's a long homily, yeah. he actually goes into... Bad things are going to happen. There's going to be consequences. You're going to be scared to death, and it's going to be evil, but it's for the greater good, Mm -hmm. which I found to be very true, not just in religion, but we do this with politics. We do this with business. We make choices that are not great, but say that the outcome is worth it. Yeah. And I, so there was this theme. I think um, Mike Flanagan definitely said this about the show that he used religion. Um, to discuss something that is bigger than religion. Religion may be the most obvious example of weaponizing language and weaponizing people's faith, but we do this politically. We do this with cults. We do that, which are often religious. We do this with, um, you know, like I said, businesses. You know, where we'll like right now, what's going on with Facebook? Mm-hmm. The fact that they would choose, they know that children and kids and teens and especially girls are being hurt by. Facebook algorithms, Instagram algorithms, they know that societies are being affected by algorithms, yet they chose business over what was good for society. And even though it doesn't line up perfectly, it's that same kind of weaponized. Yeah, you could have used a different lens or different story or different scenario and tell a similar story. They just chose to use... Catholicism, but you can talk about it with any fundamentalist attitude. Anytime um, something is hijacked, um, a political party gets hijacked, a religion gets hijacked, a certain church gets hijacked, um, the belief system, it runs askew. So let's just say this, just so we can get to these questions. Oh, can I say one thing about that that specific scene? Uh, Another character I would like to bring in is that um, one of the people that gets healed in this situation is an old woman with dementia, and she becomes... Mildred. Yeah, Mildred, who is also a hero, just to tell you. And she gets healed, and her daughter, Sarah, who's a doctor in the town, also a hero, uh, is taking care of her. And right after that speech, Mildred knows... Father Paul is like the younger version of himself because she is the only one who can remember all the way back when. And right after he makes that speech, she runs out of the church and is like, you are never to go in there again because she knows that's not like the man she knew. She knows like she knows he's been corrupted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she knows that that's not good. And she's like the only one. Yeah, she's the only one who picks up on it. Can I play a clip from Paul and Riley talking after he gets scooped by the goblin? Oh, that Riley has now been scooped up. Yeah, and it's like it's like a twenty it's like twenty minutes out of the fifty uh, hour show when 
the priest and Riley are just chatting it up after the the back the Dracula guy, the vampire guy gets them. Well, and they are chatting it up, but really the gist of that scene is that Father Paul is trying to convince Riley that this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And Riley is quiet most of the time, but Riley knows it's not a good thing. But Father Paul has convinced himself that making everyone a vampire is going to be good. And Father Paul typically is a calm, cool, collected guy. Right. He's losing but it. But not in this part. Yeah. Right. He loses it. I promise you complete honesty, and I am giving that to you, and I'm tired of you lying to me, Riley Flynn. I've forgiven it time and again, but today is critical for us, and I am finished. Complete honesty. How does it make you feel? Jealous. It's just some good acting. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Quality stuff. Quality, quality. So questions. There are yeah, let's get let's finish it up. Then there is a situation in number six that is similar to Jonestown. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. It's a complete debacle. It's an unbelievable episode that yeah. none of us could believe we were watching. And I will be talking about that scare in the church when oh. we when we go over these questions, because I think the questions are going to help us like wrap a whole thing up. As right. Well. So let's just and then the basis. seven is the wrap up. Okay. Yeah. So girls, who wants to start? I will. Okay. Cameron, favorite character in this show? Favorite character is the sheriff, hands down. We were in love with him during the whole thing. We were mm-hmm. one because he's Owen and Bly. Two because he's the sheriff in the show. Because uh, first thing that really drew me to him is that Joe, who's the town drunk, he's very kind to Joe. And yeah. he shows empathy and he says he believes him when he says that Bev uh, Bev killed his dog. Mm-hmm. He's like, I see it too. I understand. What, to that speech he gave. Um, at the school. At the school. Um, three, he is, during episode six, when he's being held down, I'll mm-hmm. give you just that. Uh, he's being held down, which is the scared I've been for his character, like, ever. And he makes it out, and he, like, gets a bunch of other of our heroes out, out of there. And that's just, like, a redeeming factor for a character. Just he's an amazing man. Up. Yeah, he's cool. Skylar, who's your fave? Um, I love Annie. I love the sheriff. But I think my favorite will be Mildred. And I know that's yes. a really random answer, but I, I love that. her in Bly. And she was just, she was so awake compared to everybody else. How ironic, because she had dementia. Yeah. In- I know. A little loud, but that's my favorite. No, Mildred. Mildred, Mildred was solid. Mildred uh, shot the priest while they were in the church when they were going through the whole Jonestown thing, which even though he woke up, once you get killed as a vampire, you wake back up. But he needed to be silent in order for them to like get some people out of there or convince people not to drink it because he was just keeping it, keeping it going. And did you guys realize that Mildred shot him in the head? Yeah. Which yeah. is like the, the symbolism or just obvious to like wake up. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are you and it, doing? And it did. That woman's got it mad really did. for a dementia patient. You know yeah. it. Todd, who's your favorite? The correct answer to this question <laughs> is Sarazen, also known as Riley. This is when he's on the boat at the end of the... Oh. What do I want? I want you to take this boat and row to the mainland and leave this place and never look back. But I knew you wouldn't do that. I knew you wouldn't believe any of this unless you saw. At that, at this point, did you guys know what he, he meant do. when mm-hmm. he said, "No," unless you saw it? I did not. Okay. I did. I want you to run, but I believe you're gonna row back there and do everything you can to try and save them. 
I'm just so sorry you have to see this. Oh, that see that line just punched me in the gut. And when he said, I did so my best. Yeah. I did no, my, that, that's the one that punched me. I, I just think it was a great scene, and I can't keep listening to it. I, I got to keep it where it is because it was so impactful. Mm. Oh, my God. Do you God. remember when Dad says, I did my best yeah. later? When? He's giving oh, no. uh, Father Paul the letters uh-huh. that that Riley mm. wrote him, and he said, I, I don't know what to do. I, I did my best. Yeah, and that's th- th- that is very true. His yeah. best obviously didn't yeah. put Riley on the best path, but... He did his best. He did his best. We should probably Dad, explain what. You don't want to hear it? No. No. I would like to hear it. Oh, we have a tie. No, no, no. I won't make the most No, because we have, I haven't even answered the question. All right, what's yeah, your, yeah. What's your answer, sweetie? My answer is Annie. Mine is the mom because she not only starts the series so strong, and there's a little bit of feeling that she might be a little uh, like Bev's character. I was yeah. so nervous. I about thought that. she, I was like, I was ready to not like her. God, did she prove me wrong? Right. We thought she was like super fundamentalist or we thought she was like imposing religion on everybody else, but she wasn't. She had religion for herself. It helped her. She was a beautiful religious person. And that's something that I think is so important about Midnight Mass is that Mike Flanagan, I'm sure people will go in, some people will be offended, but I think he offered up both sides. I think he gave mm-hmm. us very beautiful religious people who whose faith made their lives better and then people who used faith and weaponized it. So I think they gave, and Annie is that example, and Annie gets the best scene where she actually gets to say to Bev, you are not a good person. Mm -hmm. Which is one of my favorite moments of the series, because we knew what she was going to, we didn't, sorry, we knew what she was going out there to, like, say to Bev. We obviously didn't know what was going to happen quite there. But she, I, we hated Bev so much in that moment. We just, we all needed Bev to be like, it's kind of like how when someone keeps having lawsuits brought against them. And nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine you guys know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Or like someone keeps getting in trouble and there's no accountability. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. And Bev was one of those characters. Yeah. So who wants to start with scariest part? I'll do. Okay, Cam. I'll just, can, can we just like go Sure, in order? let's go in that scariest order. Scariest part, which I'm sure everyone's going to say, is probably one of the best scares I've had in a while. Because the thing about Minute Mass is it's not like Hill House and Bly, where even though they had their slow burns, they... They had scares like a like a good amount of the time yeah. with Midnight Mass. It didn't happen that often, but this one was at the end of episode four. Four, four. and it's when uh, Riley finds out that Paul, Father Paul lied to him when he alert like when he asks what happened to Joe, which Father Paul killed him by mm-hmm. the way, uh, and he knows and Riley knows he's lying, so he goes back. And we see that the angel's there from a scene before. Vampire. Yeah, vampire. That fallen angel. I'm calling him the fallen angel. The fallen angel's there, and he's in his top hat. And literally, we can't... Obviously, you can't explain the scare, but um, when he comes back, there's, like, this really, really, really slow pan towards the angel, and the angel, like, slowly turns around and then swoops at Riley, which makes you, like, go back in your seat, like, chills down the spine. And we could not believe it, because Riley's our main character. I know. He was our guy, and then Father Paul closes the door, which I was like, which, "No, super shit." Which, uh, what, which I was like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna die." I was right. like, "Oh and no!" The, and Father Paul is is fine with it. Yeah, Father Paul's cool. Skyler. Um, scariest part for me was when um Father Paul, I guess, um can't help it and ends up killing Joe and eating his blood, and then we see him eating Joe's head, and that's uh, the only part that stuck with me. I don't like it. Oh, it's no bueno. I don't like that part either. Did. Paul 
kill Joe, or did he fall and hit his head? He fall and hit his head, but then but he was he hugging him way too tight. You, you know he had a he plan. He needed the blood. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we'll just stay in He's here. like, I'm so proud of you. I, if anyone's going to repeat the one I was thinking, I would offer you should do the one from episode six, six the angel in the church, because I think people need to hear about that That was well. scary, too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the fallen angel? Oh, that's the wrong one. Hold on. What's that your scariest moment? The scariest moment was the same as what Cameron just said, by mm-hmm. far. All right, Mom? Um, I would say that I will call, because you guys, I agree with you, that was the scary moment, but similar to how Skyler didn't like the scene of Father Paul eating Joe's head, I didn't like when the uh, angel had gotten Aaron. That bothered yeah. me too. I did not like that. I thought, I thought for sure that wasn't. That was pretty gross. I also didn't like seeing uh, Tara Beth, who um, that scared me yeah, a lot. That's when, when mom would go. Riley mm-hmm. would fall asleep every night, and he would see the girl that he killed, and and it, that bothered me. Speaking of fallen angel. of her life that's the angel's jam because the angel's like yeah i'm an angel not a vampire can i add one more scary moment guess who that band is guys it goes with it it's called poison Mm. Poison. maybe uh the director based it all off of that song i bet all of it go ahead i would like to mention the episode six one in the church because that gave me chills down my spine (sighs) just like uh the other one the only thing that tops me uh, tops the fourth episode one for me is it made me go back in my chair because of the specific type of scare it was. Yeah. But there's a moment where the sheriff's trying to teach his son, uh, take his son out of the church before they drink the poison, which is the oh. Jamestown, the Jonestown, Jonestown, Jonestown thing. Um, and it, we're like, oh yeah, get out, get out, get out. And the angel's like standing there and it's so creepy. creepy. Oh my God. And he's wearing like what a priest wears. I know. Yeah. That made it even creepier. I was like, no boy, no. I think the most disturbing part was episode six, the mayhem yeah. in the church. Oh yeah, that was disturbing. Yeah, but it wasn't. That was just crazy. I'm, ta- I'm talking But the pop scare. out, yeah, the jump scare is a single yeah, moment. That got you. I was happy about that. I couldn't believe, like, yeah. just because like, I'm like, oh, how is this fallen angel going deal to deal with Riley? deal with Riley and we they yeah. told us pretty quick yeah just scooped him up it's like see ya solved so on How's that, that note um Cameron's saddest part saddest part okay this actually I've told you guys this yes. before but uh there's big scenes like Riley's death which I'm sure you're gonna talk about but the part that literally made me really emotional a little bit after we stopped watching it was there's a scene at the end where long story short everyone's gonna die and they all know everyone's gonna die and the uh sheriff and his son are praying in what what, what kind of prayer is that i feel like i'm i should use the right word but i don't know what uh no they pray seven times seven a day, times yeah, a day pray, yeah five times there's like five? A spe- i Thank saw it you. on twitter there's like a specific whatever uh they're praying at the end while they're like they know they're gonna die and it just touched me so 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 much because the son actually turns against uh, his religion at the very, like the very end of episode six, because he like loses faith in that, and he wants to like be like everyone else, and just to see him like go back to his roots and like 
truly like just pray with his dad as they're dying. It was so, so emotional. Islamic prayer mm-hmm. and sky is right five times a day. Five yep. times a day. I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, me too. Um, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Oh my God. And he couldn't even, the sheriff him and shy, he couldn't even stand up. He was still doing it. I was like, Jesus mm-hmm. made me emotional. Or not Jesus. No, not Jesus. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, That's just something. Skyler. Saddest. I know you guys are going to say the boat scene. So for me, um, when Aaron was giving her speech about death in the end, it was just very, and I don't want to say sad, but it was very touching. And I think that's like what I believe. So I just, that touched me more than anything else. You mean this part? But now, in the split second, in the moment I remember, the instant I remember, I comprehend everything at once. There is no time. There is no death. Life is a dream. It's a wish. Made again and again and again and again and again and again. And So it's an amazing Beautiful. speech. It reminds me of the end of Lost where Christian Shepard brings yeah. Jack in. And, there you know, he's no like, here. there is no time. There is no here. And when Nell in Hill House explains the time is confetti. And that mm-hmm. we're still together and that like all of her brothers and sisters, this is again haunting of Hill House, apologize to her. And she's like, they're like, oh, I wish we would have one more talk. And she's like, we did. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. there is no time. We are together. We are here. We are confetti. We are everywhere. And this is again why Mike Flanagan's so freaking amazing. It's, you know, Todd, it's the reason we loved, you just brought up Lost, but it's why we loved Lost because yeah. it was a lot of action with depth. Yep. And this is horror with depth. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And she's looking at the stars at the end. It's so, so, so but beautiful. the part that um, she said about is we are energy, we are atoms, and they don't get destroyed. Correct. You're still there. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it's a scientific principle. And it's a scientific principle, but it's also spiritual, which exactly. I, which is what I believe. All right, Dad, what is your saddest moment? Uh, it's when our hero dies and at the end of episode five. Yes. Yeah. Who's the hero of this? Because I, I, I think I'm right when I say it's Riley, but... I think there's so many Matter heroes. of opinion. I know, but you, you could pick Aaron. one hero. Who who is Mildred. Mildred. No, Mildred was the silent hero. Silent. Well, actually, no, she wasn't even silent. She was the hidden hero. We haven't even talked about Warren and Lisa. Oh, yeah, but they're like the they're people like who survivors. Yeah. They're survivors. They're not the heroes. So my saddest part is I think I'm going to say my most touching part because every part that you guys said, I obviously had a huge reaction to, but there was something yeah. so meaningful to me about Riley's parents because they they have been taking communion, mm. so they do become vampires, but they both choose to not feed because – Cameron, you told me something about that. Yeah, Um Riley's obviously an alcoholic, and when he killed someone, they decided as a family not to drink alcohol anymore, and that goes for his little brother as well. So they have more willpower against wanting blood like they do with wanting alcohol. Like, they just stay away from it. And I think it's also just their morals and their ability to block it out and be like, this isn't the right thing. Before before you told me that story, Mm -hmm. I really took it at the face value of these are people who this is not what they wanted. They they see they both try and run. Yeah. When and actually mom gets out. Dad doesn't. But before they are turned into vampires, they know this is wrong Mm -hmm. and they have a sense of self and they are not duped by what everybody else is duped Mm -hmm. by. And then at the very end, Annie um, starts singing a really beautiful hymn, a death hymn, basically, about being close to God. And the two of them 
start this whole, they shift the energy of the whole island mm-hmm. with their singing. Mm-hmm. So that was really, go ahead, Sky. One thing I want to mention, because this is one of my favorite things that Cameron actually mentioned to us earlier, but um, everyone started singing together and it yeah. was beautiful and it was lovely and we realized they still had faith. And Bev was trying to dig a hole and get out of there and we realized she did not have any faith. No. So the woman who said she was the most, most faithful and most special had the least amount of faith. Is this the song? Yeah. Yeah. So moving. It's got to be rough just waiting for the sun to rise to an imminent death. You know what I was thinking? That's when faith really counts. That's when it really comes into play when you know the world is crashing down and you still the people on the island, a lot of people on the island accepted that fact and went with dignity. They went with love. Love. They went with faith. And that means that they truly, truly believed that there was a God that was going to like lead them to heaven or whatever you believe. And you learn at the end, Bep does not. Mm -mm. She doesn't, she doesn't want to die. She wants to be the ruler. Correct. Which is just a great metaphor for people who think they're superior just because they go to church. Like, it actually goes back to that moment where Annie, our hero, hero. Uh, she she finally is into her and she's like, uh, because Bev insults her parenting and insults like the fact that Riley Riley's choices in life to be an alcoholic and everything are a reflection of her and the dad and everything. And she's like, every part of him was a reflection of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, in she, the best way. In the best way. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, uh, but you know what? God loves him just as much as he loves you. And she's like, why does that bother you so much? The Mm -hmm. fact that God loves you just as much as everyone else. Yeah, that you're not special. You're not special. She's like, you're not a hero, hero, and you sure as hell are not the victim. Mm -mm. Which I thought was like, geez, that's, that's, she's their hero. It is, it was really beautiful. Yeah. So, okay. So let's throw out, we've got a bunch of them. Let's just throw out some Easter eggs, at least four of them. Easter eggs, I'm sure you Mm. guys know what that means. Yeah. But it's just little things that uh, Mike Flanagan put into the movie that would be cool for us to notice, to Mm -hmm. the series. Uh, I'll start with one because it's the only one on the top of my head. Uh, The book Midnight Mass is a book in the movie Hush that the author writes, Mm -hmm. who's also played by Kate Siegel, who plays Aaron. Um, and that's just a cool Easter egg. That just kind of shows there was like a journey all along. And it was in Gerald's game too. Exactly. The book was there. Mm-hmm. Sky, can you remember any of the Easter eggs? No, I cannot. Todd, do you remember any Easter eggs? Negative. Really? So a, a few that I can say is that Mike Flanagan's in the movie twice. Mm-hmm. So they're, when the boys are riding their bikes and they go by Lisa's and they're like, can you come with us? And mm-hmm. she's like, I can't. The man across the street having coffee is Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan is also the man, the priest that helps um, Father Pruitt in Damascus. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Damascus? I think so. So there's a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff. Um, there is also when they are in the rectory, it's not the rectory, the recreational center on the stage, there is the mirror from the movie Oculus is up there. And I felt like there was a few more. Well, we we already talked about the posters on Riley's wall, the poster of Seven from the movie Seven. And then there's a Scully from X-Files poster. Um, and this is something I forgot. Scully was a doubter. Yes. Or no. Was Scully the doubter? The the woman was the one who was... Who a, believed? Scully and Mulder. I think the woman believed, and the 
the Mulder was a doubter. Yeah, the guy was the doubter. Okay, so I, maybe that doesn't fit. Yeah, but just um, that's it. So let's do. I, there's so many, but we don't have the video in front of us, so we can't remember. So let's talk about. Let's talk about Bev's best moment. Freaking Bev. Mm-hmm. That's what we just said. Freaking we actually, Bev. Uh, you mean her most annoying moment? What like saying? when? What was when she's the, at the peak Bev? Peak Bev. Peak Bev moments. Oh geez. Um, I'm gonna need a minute. Give me okay. A um, I think peak Bev moment is when she decides to set everything on fire. Oh yeah, when she's like, yes, this is what's supposed to happen. Revelations. We're making the ark. I have a peak Bev moment. Peak Bev. There's chaos happening in the church, and she is hiding. Ooh, oh, I'm going with Skylar's. That's the best moment because she's just a coward. They're like, you're hiding. Like, I mean, yeah, my God. The, the shock on their faces, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, the angels come to get them or something, and it's just Bev. <sighs> it's brutal. How about, how about you, Todd? Yeah, well, I just got to play. This is not, this is my favorite Bev moment, but you'll know why. Okay. Not until you pull... Oh, I think it's right here. Because your whole life, I think you've needed to hear this. You aren't a good person. uncalled for. God doesn't love you more than anyone else. You aren't a hero. And you certainly, certainly aren't a victim. I wouldn't lecture any Flynn. Not until you pull the plank from your own eye. You gotta pull the plank from your own eye. That's actually peak Annie. Yeah, I know. That's peak Annie. I just couldn't let that, I couldn't let this podcast go by without playing that clip. No. Because that's something we had been waiting to to see. Oh, I was like, someone just tell her. Because they had moments where like they someone could have like just torn her down and they didn't like Aaron in the school scene. I was like, say something. Say something. Yeah, you you just everyone held their tongue with her. It was like the town knew she was a pain, but they dealt with it mm-hmm. instead of really just saying stop. That's I think why I love Joe so much, because he hated her oh. and he let him know it. Or that scene where the sheriff comes up to him and she's like, Bev insists that no one will that that she doesn't know anything. And he's like Oh, well, if you say so, well, she says so. <laughs> well, if she so. says so. So this is a weird parallel, but what movie is this from? And I compare this character to Bev. What's that from, Snugs? That's Toy Story 3, one of the best. And what's happening in that moment? So they help Lotso up the ladder that's going to push a button and save him. And even though they help him through the whole thing, they save his life like twice, he doesn't push it and he lets him walk away. Which is the best, makes him the best kid villain of all time because he does zero redemption. Yes. Just like Bev when she's digging that hole. Can I, uh, let me ruin. Wait, she don't love you no more, big baby. Big baby. She also says, where's your kid's kid now sheriff so yeah it's a little. um Ooh. i might be like being a debbie downer with this comment but mm. uh the sun comes up and everybody burns uh-huh. I, I try to catch some shade somewhere there isn't that's the whole point there's there's stuff there's stuff they're burning everything they burned everything there, down there is some things left yeah but they're okay. not gonna last the whole day no, they need no. to get water that's no, what i was gonna true. say true yeah they, they won't last there are no the day. point there are places for shade none that you could stay for for 15 hours yes I know. and even if they did stay for 15 hours 
What are they going to do? Everyone the else next is going to die. Mm-hmm. What are they going to do the next, the rest of their life? Yeah. I would have, I would have started digging earlier than Bev. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And the fact that she thinks that's going to work, like she's digging in sand. Like. Yeah. Actually, Annie has a speech earlier where she talks about if we truly have faith, then why don't we have faith? She's like, at the end, we're all clawing and digging mm. and begging yet but if we truly had faith so it's just like a complete you know obviously full that circle. message full yeah. circle that's what was fun about going and rewatching the first two is there's so many comments about what's to come mm-hmm. um but uh oh i got one more bed scene okay Ding. it's the end easily in fact if you had been a man of faith howard <laughs> i don't know what's happening what's happening it's the end mr hobbs the end of all things. And all those days you decided not to worship. All those days. I think Bev. That was prime Bev. I think that was a prime moment for people like her. Mm-hmm. I think Bev should go down as one of the worst villains of all time. For sure. The best but the best villains. villains. But the best. So I really have the my deep thought. Um, actually, let me ask this question. You guys weren't ready for this question. Yeah. Okay? So what do you think if you could use one word to describe this show or what you think they're trying to teach or share, what do you think the word is? Mm-hmm. And any of you can go first or I'll go first. Yeah, why don't you go? So the word that there's a lot of things, but the word that really comes up at the end is forgiveness. Mm. Um, mm. So everybody, Riley wants to be forgiven. The priest wants to be forgiven. The, the priest has a lot of regret that he didn't live his life. as He lived his life as a, as a priest and did not choose. He he did have an affair with a woman, Mildred. Mildred. Um, and he priest. did not choose the woman he loved and his daughter. Instead, he chose the priesthood, and he regrets it. Um, and it, it really, he wishes he could have had two lives. Let's say it that way. Yeah. Because I don't know if he fully regrets. I think being he a really priest. he really had faith. I, I truly did. do believe that. I but just, it got corrupted. Yeah, it did. And then you know, so forgiveness is really you know at the end once everybody realizes what they've done um everybody is asking for forgiveness from each other you know john's asking mildred and the boy curly top top. he's asking it from um sturgill stranger what's his name sturgill sturge sturge and then Sturge is helping Howard, and then the obviously the couple, the, the cute couple, that Riley's parents. Not only at the end do they have faith and they start singing, but they actually say to each other, "Don't don't worry about this blood on me. I didn't feed anybody." Yeah, it's all they're mine. Like, it's all it's mine. All mine. They're it's like, so it's all cute. mine too. All right, I have a word. So, okay, Sorry. forgiveness. Go ahead, Sky. Okay, I my words can be like, oh yeah, we already brought this up, but I think mine would be faith because mm-hmm. no matter where That's it is, thinking, yeah. it's faith. Bev doesn't have faith. The town people have faith. The sheriff and his son have faith. And I think that that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Riley had faith in Riley, the end, just not yeah, Riley whatever did have wanted faith. him to do. Mm-hmm. Riley had, and that's the thing is I think if we could get off of words and off of same God, same the God. same we, mm-hmm. Yeah, we kept saying that. We were like, same God, same God. Like we get so focused on my way is right, my God is right, your way is wrong versus God. And what does that word mean? Because even Riley saying he was an atheist, he did have faith in something. Yeah. He just didn't. And so you could call that more agnostic. It doesn't yeah. really matter. But a lot of times I'll hear people say they're atheists and I'll say, do you believe in the mystery of life and that we don't know or that there is something bigger? And they're like, well, yeah, I believe that. I'm like, well, then you not believe God. in something. Yeah, because that's the issue. People think if you don't believe every single story right. that's in the Bible or if you don't Tr- like truly believe certain things happen or if you don't adhere to a specific religion then you 
then you're an atheist. And that's not really quite true because God's kind of everywhere. It's what Aaron says at the end. Like yes. the fact that we, there are more galaxies than, uh, than grains of sand on earth. Like <sighs> that's God. I was like, that's literally what I think. I'm like, that's crazy. There can't be no reason for that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And that I said this on the last podcast we did, but I'll say it again. Joseph Campbell, who is a you know mythologist professor, actually explained in this Bill Moyer interview that he did that our brains literally don't have the capacity to understand what happens in death, that we literally have not been built to know. So people who are certain aren't. Mm-hmm. We are not supposed to, like, we don't yeah. have the brain capacity. <gasps> like what Riley says, he says, I don't know what happens when we die, and I don't believe anyone who says Correct. they think they do know. That's I right. I like, yes, exactly. And that's what mystery and faith are, regardless of how you call it. So, Todd. Baby! Snugs, what's your word? Oh, God. Um, God. I, I was going to say faith. Uh, but I'll just say a quote that even though it doesn't encapsulate the entire show, I think it encapsulates some of it, is something that Riley says. Well, actually, they both say it to each other. Uh, remember, we are dust and to dust, dust we shall return, yeah. which mm-hmm. I feel like encapsulates a lot of the show. So I'll mm-hmm. say that. For sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. And, you know, it, th- this goes with faith and forgiveness. But Or sorry, Todd, did you want to give yours? Uh, well, first I need to just do this. How are you getting these so fast? Because I'm an excellent producer. Um, I would also say the word love because that was that goes along with faith and forgiveness. But these people loved each other and they didn't always have the best skills. Do you remember um, when Riley's dad tries to say goodnight? And he's like, oh, he passed like, him. Shake they shake hands. Oh, it was the he's cutest like... moment ever. <laughs> we were like, oh, daddy. Because I think he was going in for a hug, and then Riley was kind of like, oh, are right. we hugging? And then it was right. like, a... and they shook hands. It was really like they're trying to love each other they're the best trying. they can with their traumas, with their pain, with their fear, with their resentments. Yeah, like a, these are the you know the people represent us all, right? We all have things, and yeah. um, it was just so love was a big part of this too. That was the most touching moments, you know, when Riley tells Aaron he loves her and she says, I love you too. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, those two never kissed or anything. I yeah, love right. that because he said, uh, he said during his life, he's like, I, I love you. I've loved you my whole life in some type of way. So I don't type, even right. think it was restrictive in the way it had to be romantic. They just loved each other. They just loved each other. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, they never really That's commented. Yeah. You know, it's so true, Cameron, because there's at the beginning with Warren, who you like so much, when mm-hmm. they are outside... I love Warren. I know you love Warren. Mm-hmm. When they're outside, they talk about that Riley used to hook up with girls, mm-hmm. but they never mentioned Aaron. They were talking about no. other girls. So did they ever date? Well, they said they I used to sneak out of my bedroom window. So I'm right, guessing. but they could have been friends, too. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe not, maybe not. Sweet. I think, I think, kind of boring. I think sometimes they had a romantic relationship, but I'm with Cameron. I think any type of way they could have loved each other. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They I agree. Sweet. I think I don't think they could have had a romantic relationship at that point. I mean, they were only 15. Yeah, no, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, like as adults. Right. That would have been. A well, lot. I think if they would have not become vampires, maybe yeah. they could have. Yeah. If Riley had to, the vampires yeah. really put a wrench in the. Yeah, that tends to throw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except if you're Bella and Edward. Right. Or uh, Bella was a human. Uh, Damon though. and Elena, or Stefan and Caroline, or Rosalie and. Uh, Wait, Jasper and Alice and Rosalie and what's her Edmund? guy? Edmund? Edmund? 
No. Supreme Court. Edit Edmund. Ed, edit edit ed, ed, ed something. Ed, Emmett. 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 Okay. Emmett. We're talking about the Collins, everybody. Uh, sweet, this I'm talking your, about Vampire Diaries. This is for your work. Trying to find it's coming. It. Oh, is it? He's about to say it. I think we should. Forgive me, friends. I love that song, but don't play it because I don't want to get old of it. I like this song. Should we Send move on to, to the next question? Yes, we uh, gotta I move didn't along. give my word. Okay, go ahead, oh baby. God. It's two. I need two. Fine. You guys give me two? Okay, go ahead. Fine. Freaking Bev. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Bev. Bev. Freaking Bev. We said that like eight times an episode. We were like, okay, we're coming to our last question. You guys ready? That's yes. not the last question. Well, we're not going to do all of them because some of them are repetitive. Do two of them at least. No, um, one. Let's do one and a half. Okay, so Kim, why don't we do this? What question do you want to answer? Oh, I don't know. I didn't write them down. Well, a lot of them are repetitive, so what do you want to say? I want to see. Okay, well, let me ask this question while Cameron doesn't doesn't know. Okay, Skylar. I can't read your handwriting. Oh, we already kind of did this. I was going to say angel or vampire. Um, it is... She's deciding, everybody. She's it is deciding. supposed to be an angel, but it is some type of vampire that people aren't accepting. But I don't think, oh, it's a vampire that wears a cloak and counts things, like in Sesame Street. Oh, yeah. He's not the count in no. Sesame Street. Good call, Sky. I'm glad. But he's some version of a vampire. Todd, vampire or angel? Um, Dracula, for sure. Cameron, you I, already said. I believe he's a fallen angel. And I'm very clear that he is just a vampire, I everybody. think he has some... Number of the day! <laughs> uh, uh. Let's count the bets and find out! I have a question. Ah, Don't you want to hear one, this, though? One bet. There's one bet. What? Oh, uh, I'd like... It's a good question to, like, wrap everything up. Let's hear it. Uh, thoughts on the very ending, the last scene between Ooh. those two. Okay. Um, which between which two? Warren and Lisa. Ah, uh, I thought you were talking about maybe uh, Father and yeah. Sarah and Mildred together. <gasps> oh no, I wasn't as connected to them as you were. Okay, but as yeah, you I can was. talk about that as well. Thoughts on like uh, very end. like the very end, Bitter the last end. scene. Why don't like, you go first? Um, I'll go with Warren and Lisa because uh, they're the only ones who made it off um, the island. And one part that I didn't notice the first time, but. When they're on the canoe and they're um, they're listening to everyone sing the song, the song stops because mm-hmm. everyone dies, obviously. And then uh, some time passes, and then Lisa goes, "I can't feel my legs." And then Warren, I love Warren's reaction to it because mm-hmm. he's not like he's not overtly sad, he's not overtly happy. Just is like he just hugs her, mm-hmm. and that's that. And that can mean one of two things: either the gene wore off and it like made its way through the system. That means if they die, they don't become vampires or anything like that, which is what we want. We don't, we want, Mm -hmm. we want the gene gone. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to pass it on to anyone else Mm -hmm. or the angel whose wings got cut up by Aaron, uh, did not make it to the mainland and it died. And with, so it did all of its blood, like the blood became useless. So either one of those two things is good, but the second one is 
even though I kind of like the, the way of like it made it out of their system, I really like the ending. It gives us confirmation that the angel's dead. So, if that's the case, that makes me happy too. Sky. I think both happened. Mm-hmm. Do you guys you want do? to uh, be asked a few unanswered questions, plot holes, and head scratchers? Well, that's can we finish this up? Sure. Anything you want to say about the people? I love the people. At the end, like anything you want to say about the final scenes, like when people are, like anything about anybody? All good. Okay. Except for Bev. I feel like we've covered it. Except for Bev. Bev was good too because it told me she didn't yeah. have faith. Everything was good. We covered it. It was a satisfying ending. ending. Very oh, satisfying. God, so, satisfying. so satisfying. Sweetie, so, what do you think? Um, I think I'm going to leave it with that. So tell me what a few of the unanswered some questions Some of these are That's good, close. some of them are not so good. So okay. let's just see how we do. Um, just do the good ones. Was Riley psychic? No. He, no. Well, he was having clairvoyant dreams, yes. I don't believe he was psychic. I don't believe he was psychic, but you can have clairvoyant dreams. We've all Riley had. dreamed of a canoe with two different occupants joining him in the water, one dead, the other alive. His visions turned out to be prophetic because he incinerated himself with Aaron in the canoe, then found the girl he killed. But the when Tara shows up, it's not because he didn't. He was dreaming about her dead, and then she forgave him mm. while he was dying. Yeah, I agree. I don't think yeah. he was psychic. Okay, go ahead. How does it take Sarah so long to raise alarms? I, I was wondering that, too. Do you guys remember when Sarah, she's the doctor, and yeah. the blood is boiling, and she's like... Yeah, but what, what, sh- what, what do you do in that moment? What if she thinks just because it was in the sun, it overheated? Like, you she don't knows immediately- that doesn't... Your, your mind doesn't immediately go to... It's a vampire. Like it takes, and also she wasn't. She doesn't wait that long. Like she's. It's not like she waits on it. And she does take blood samples. And she's like, Aaron, this has all been happening. I've been studying it. What's a little I'm crazy thinking. between friends? Well, of course she didn't. Her mind didn't go to a vampire. Um, and I don't think. I think she was going to send them to the mainland. That's what she said. She says she'd been waiting to send them to the mainland, but she couldn't stop thinking about it and doing tests on them. Yeah, yeah. So I think she was just. Waiting, and then Aaron came. Yeah. Why did Father Paul give up so easily? Mildred. One word. That's a good answer, actually. Father Paul started blah, blah, blah. Yet after coming back to life following a gunshot wound to the head, he seemed to throw in the towel. Yeah. Granted, the church father... That was a bit of a wake-up I would, too. Yeah. He didn't throw in the towel. He realized he was wrong. And so... And I asked you this question. I'm like, it's a quick transition from being, like, the antagonist alongside of Bev and all of a sudden eh, everything's fine. Now you brought up a few points that I well, thought were good. first of all, he was trying to convince himself from day one that this thing was an angel when it mm. was really a vampire. That's that's A. B, he's trying to convince everybody that, so first of all, after he eats Joe's head, he doesn't feel good about it. Bev yeah. talks him into saying that this is that he she winds scripture all around it so he feels like it was okay. And then he, when he's trying to convince Riley this is a good thing, he knows he's wrong, which is why he gets so upset. So he's been working up to yeah. realizing this is not right. And also, I think the doors being opened is what is yes. the real wake up call. And then Mildred comes in, and then he's like, "Oh shit, okay." That's who he did it for. Yeah, you know, and not then, that he should blame. And her. Mildred's literally telling him he's a hundred percent wrong. Well, exactly. With yeah. a gun. That's shot. why Mildred is the MVP. Straight and clear. Also, she gets Riley. Girl, Riley is the MVP of this series. That's we know, Dad, true. but you try to force opinions on other people i'm not forcing just make sure you agree with me and we're fine one more question that's it oh that's it okay, well, well we did the last one which was um did the the did count dracula get off <laughs> so i'm gonna do <laughs> this don't, don't say that yeah that doesn't sound good 
<laughs> just out of context, this episode would sound yeah. so like, weird. Hmm. Did Count Dracula get off? I missed that. Did he make it to the mainland? <laughs> okay. No, he did not. Was... I don't I think he did not. No. And that's why Lisa Lisa could feel I think he was, he was flying pretty good at he the end. He was flying like 30 a, miles. Like a stink bug. Yeah, those guys don't stink know how to fly. Like just went run into walls. They're like, man. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we're gonna fly on your bed, and then we're gonna annoy you, and then it's gonna be like, oh. <laughs> exactly all right. What and do. then it goes down your shampoo bottle, and then you throw it, and then you run into the shower screaming, and um, that's personal experience. Yeah. Wait, before you do that music, no. This is what we do for everybody who comes on our show. Last thoughts, Skylar Adams. My last thought is Mildred's awesome. The characters are awesome. The show is awesome, and I am exceptional. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, great show. I highly recommend. It is horror with depth, which is what I think all horror should be. Um, and the sheriff is the best. I just want to say thank you to Mike Flanagan for creating these shows that are so profound and for bringing horror back into my life in a way that feels like it's not justified, but I don't feel it, it's it. There's Gross. some meaning behind it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I used to love horror as a kid. Yes, and thank so, you for bringing horror into our lives. I <laughs> know it sounds Mike so Flanagan. Weird. We love you. It sounds Out of so context. weird. And I'll say uh, I love Sarazen from Friday Night Lights oh, and Coach Taylor. All right. Okay. <laughs> nice job. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and feel free to leave us a five star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my free books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty. The company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support and keep on trucking.